Interesting. Is this new? I don't remember needing to give permission. There you go. Mm -hmm. Hi friends, fellow evolvers and curious people everywhere. Welcome to this episode of Being with Sally Wilson. I'm Sally Wilson, and it's a great pleasure to have with me today as our guest, Matthew Boyd. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Sally. Uh, <laughs> lovely to be here. We really appreciate you joining us, Matt. Thank you. And listeners, Matt is the co-founder and the CEO of Volley, which is an online marketplace that's basically unlocking a new style of skills-based remote volunteering. Um, he has experience in marketing operations and business development and has been responsible for running projects that have contributed to close to 10 million for not-for-profit organizations. Um, Matt also sits on several boards, including um, the Jane Goodall Australia board um, and the Duo Duo project. Is that right, Matt? Uh, with Joy Joy Projects, I do some volunteering work. So it, it's not actually a board position, but yep. yeah, I do like some uh, voluntary operational work with those guys and they're based out in uh, California. Great. And could you just tell us a little bit about that project, Matt? Yeah, Joy Joy Projects. Mm. Yeah, it's one of many that I'm, uh, I'm working on that I keep myself busy with. It's, um, it's about protecting dogs in China. Uh, so Duo Duo Projects was founded by a lady called Andrea Gung, who very quickly became a bit of a hero of mine. And one of the many wonderful stories from my volley journey is that I've, I'm now very close friends with Andrea. I originally reached out to her and said, I'll, you know, use volley to connect with skilled volunteers for, for your charity. We want to help however we can. Uh, that led to a few emails, which led to some Skype conversations. Then Andrea came to Melbourne. Uh, Andrea sent me to China to, to see the operations of Duo Duo Project. Uh, and I'm hoping to go to California uh, next year to, to see her. So it's a yeah wonderful relationship that's built. It's a very sad situation, basically, uh, in, in certain parts of China usually in lower socioeconomic areas and built around tradition, a small percentage of Chinese people eat dogs. Um, it, it's, it's horrific to think, particularly as Westerners, where dogs are, you know, our best friends, um, but it's that dreaded T word tradition. Uh, and we're trying to change that through education and uh, support for, for these typically poorer areas. And saying that dogs are part of the family, not part of the, um, the dinner menu. So we, um, yeah, we do lots of work there. We're currently building a uh, youth center uh, that we're also referring to as a compassion center where kids from the local area can, uh, who, who have very little, um, can access books and computers and gym equipment and all, all the wonderful things like that. Uh, while, be, while being surrounded by dogs, uh, therefore understanding that these little animals are pretty awesome and uh, the kids in turn will hopefully change things and, um, you know, the, the, the consumption of dogs will be a thing of the past. Yeah. Yeah, well, Matt, you know, you are one of these people who <laughs> is making a big difference um, to the world in a lot of in a lot of different ways. And I, I'm, I don't mean that to flatter you, you simply are. Um, and you're also giving other people opportunities to make a difference themselves. Um, can you tell us more about 
Volley and your journey to actually sort of founding Volley? Yeah, sure. Uh, so with Volley and that, that was the catalyst for, for everything I've done over the last five or so years. Uh, studied marketing in uni. Um, didn't really start my career until I came to Australia. So I finished uni, I traveled for a bit and then the prospect of working in London and joining the rat race just wasn't really for me. Uh, so I came across to Melbourne and, and built my career here. Um, and after five or so years in marketing, probably a little bit more, I just, it, it wasn't giving me the excitement I thought it would and I wasn't passionate. And so part of that journey back in 2015, um, I was soul searching and figuring out what am I passionate about? What I want, what do I want to do? And, you know, I wanted to still do, obviously to this day, um, want to make a positive difference in the world. And I work within the charity sector and um, I just started to volunteer myself and I enjoyed the experience, but I noticed a lot of problems with the experience. Uh, it's hard to get started. There's forms to fill out and back and forth and with charities and so on. And often you're just doing a bit of a turn up, put the t-shirts on, shake the collection team kind of job. Uh, and I wanted to apply my skills. I wanted to use the unique skills I had to make a difference, which I found so difficult through this experience that I thought, well, I'm going to develop something myself. Obviously that's, that's the very short version of it. It was based around months and months of researching and validating my business idea, essentially trying to prove it wrong. But ultimately end of 2015, I quit my job and, and got to work on Volley. And um, uh, Volley is a, an online volunteering platform. It's a platform uh, where uh, over a thousand charities that we work with now post their skilled requirements. It could be um, help us build a website, develop a marketing plan, create a legal document, and people with those skills can apply. And it's it's all remote. It's all online volunteering. People can be in their pajamas on a Saturday morning uh, if they like, you know, working on these projects. Um, they can do it around their busy schedule. So that we've seen as uh, really appealed to, to the next generation of volunteer, particularly Gen Y and Gen Z, who traditionally were um, a much smaller percentage of those who are actually volunteering in Australia. Mm. And so really anyone who can work remotely can volunteer through volley. I mean, the skills I imagine that are needed are just so broad. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I used to have to explain that a little bit, uh, to, to organizations, the businesses we work with as well as charities, but I think COVID's just made it very, very clear to everyone just how much we can do remotely. So yeah, it's it's almost every task. There aren't too many that we've come across where we've said, oh no, that won't won't work through volley. If it's mm. it's a skilled requirement. Um it, in my experience now, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, it can be done remotely, particularly with all the different software and tracking tools and so on that, that are available. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Most, most skilled tasks can be done from anywhere. So it also gives you the opportunity to connect with organizations, not just in your backyard, but um, you know, around the world, we work with a few organizations in different regions of, of the world. Yeah. Fantastic. And just to give us an idea of um, the variety of charities that are using this service, um, can you tell us a few stories? Sure. Um, 
So we've got uh, one organization called Classroom of Hope. They're based in Indonesia. Uh, they build schools and they're building a lot of schools and they do absolutely incredible work. So they've been on volley pretty much from the start. Um, they've, they've required various different uh, skilled people uh, to help with digital marketing, to help them to amplify uh, upcoming campaigns and some operational tasks to help them with the day-to-day -day stuff that's perhaps a little less glamorous, but um, nonetheless, you know, um, very essential. Yeah. Um, one of the first projects that really made us laugh and, and smile was um, that uh, Make-A-Wish had an upcoming uh, wish that they were rolling out for a child where they wanted to become a pirate princess for the day and the child needed a pirate princess costume uh, and so they posted this project on volley we were only a few months into operation i thought to myself oh i don't know if we're <laughs> gonna pull this one off uh but a uh, a, a woman called miranda who was a student at rmit at the time um saw this project applied for it designed the pirate princess costume uh bought the materials was reimbursed for for those materials and ultimately um posted off the uh the pirate princess costume so <laughs> that stretched um the ability of volley but nonetheless yeah we we were able to to do it um and i mean we've we've now seen we've now seen almost 5000 projects completed so there's there's so many other stories like that um a lot of projects draw on um marketing uh communications and sort of tech yeah. requirements from our from our skilled volunteers from our volleys yeah. uh, so there have been countless social media strategies and graphic designers required and build us a squarespace website and so on um yeah yeah lots and lots of those which you know we've we've loved seeing post over the years that's wonderful and how have most of the volunteers found you well that's a very good question because we have we spend nothing on marketing um we were in the early days and i think for a startup business i really started to struggle with seeing hundreds of dollars every single week you know going into uh facebook ads and, mm. and that kind of stuff all that social media marketing so we are really well optimized in search uh you know we really focused on seo so that <clears throat> throughout the platform um we were thinking about you know ranking in google um so people find us pretty easily through search when they type in like online volunteering or skilled volunteering we're very strong there yeah. um and then a lot of strategic partnerships you know partnering with great organizations like pro bono australia and others within the impact space uh, and that way we run events and people just hear about us more and more so yeah when i look at our weekly metrics and i see you know how many people are signing up every week and i just think it, it is amazing because we spend nothing on marketing you know we uh uh we pick up we get some pr we get some media from time to time um but yeah we don't have uh, a pr agency we can't afford the retainers and that kind of thing so yeah we just we just sort of hustle away there um all of our money goes into uh, the money generated from volley goes back into uh, improving the tech and covering overheads and, you know, a few key, key people within the organization. 
Yeah. And that's actually something that uh, when we first met you, you mentioned, Matt, um, that it is it is possible to make social enterprises um, or philanthropic organisations profitable. Um, what sort of attitudes have you encountered around that? Depends who you speak to. Hmm. Um, my opinion is there's there's nothing wrong with it. I was having this conversation with somebody recently. If you are a, a business that, that genuinely stands to make a positive difference, we have to be aware of there, there are, there, there's foul play out there. Not, not a lot in my experience, but a little bit. We've seen charities come under the spotlight, like the Shane Warm Foundation and that mismanagement of funds. Um, and yeah, there's, you know, what was greenwashing uh, can now occasionally uh, pop up as purpose washing. Uh, businesses that think, oh, if we, you know, say we're for this particular social purpose, then this can help us sell more of our products or services. So you need to be aware of that. But as an organisation, if you really genuinely do stand to make a positive impact um, and you're not a not-for-profit or a charity and therefore, you know, you aren't getting donations and so on, you, you need to have a sustainable business model. Mm. Um, and it's all about value exchange. You know, it's like with great organisations like Who Gives a Crap? Well, it's good quality toilet paper and therefore it's like, yeah, and there's a good social purpose behind it. So I will buy that over, you know, um, the next leading toilet paper brand. And thank you, have done it as well with hand soaps and um, water. They've dropped the water now, which I'm happy about, you know, with that mm. single use plastic. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that value exchange and there is, there is nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, any private business can make lots and lots of money. So if you are still a private business, but with a strong social purpose, and you're being honest about what you're doing. And at the end of the day, the customer decides, yeah, I, I understand what this organization is doing and I want to buy what they're selling or mm. support them, then it's a great thing. And, 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 you know, it ensures that you can be more sustainable moving forward because a lot of charities and nonprofits that Volley deals with, um, the, these two pillars that they have of remaining, well, open for business of government grants and, and donations, you know, they're, 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 it's becoming increasingly unstable. Yeah. Uh, so you need to take matters into your own hand more. And I'm actually seeing more and more charities that are creating their own social enterprise arms, which I think is a, a really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And and you also mentor um, young social entrepreneurs, don't you, Matt? Yeah, I do. Yeah, just just from time to time as it pops up. I, I, I always seem to be... Um, speaking with somebody you know I was I was seeking mentors so much when I first started on this startup journey mm -hmm. uh, I knew very little about you know launching a business and all the things that went into that and so I bought a lot of people coffee um, mm -hmm. in, in 2016 2017 my local cafe in St Kilda would have uh, been loving me and sometimes you know I actually started a tab at one point there <laughs> when the bills were coming in monthly I was just like oh my god I can't believe I'm spending that much and half of it was was on the with the people that I was meeting with it's it's crazy but if you're not just sort of chipping away at three or four dollars a coffee and a, a bit of food here and there how much that adds up it uh, shows why the cafe culture you know is is um yeah such a great space to go into but anyway yeah I was um I was yeah meeting a lot of people and just picking people's brains and I, I accumulated so much knowledge and 
it really helped me. And so now I just, it, it just kind of happens without even putting the word out there. There's always somebody with a, an early stage business idea or a student with Volley works with a number of universities. And I'm, I'm always happy to have those conversations because what can be half an hour, an hour of my time can, can really help someone decide if, if this is what they want to do. And, you know, I'll, I'll give them the sort of warts and all, um, you know, uh, treatment where mm. it's like, well, this is the way it actually happens. And, you know, it's, it's the toughest thing you'll ever do. And, you know, just, not sugarcoating it for them. Yeah. What have been the toughest things? Oh, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. Um, it's just, it. I suppose, like, overall, I mean, it's survival, you know, as a, as a startup, as an early stage business. And you can, you can be reminded of the stats up front or not. I don't think it makes a difference so much um how many the percentage of businesses that fail year one year two year three year four if you're still around um and, you know a few years in and, and you're going in the right direction then you've done a really great job you know ignore the the unicorn stories and you know the canvas of the world canva which i love and i use all the time but you, you certainly shouldn't compare yourself to that because it is so incredibly rare just if you can remain sustainable and if you continue to enjoy what you do then that's that's the most important thing i think every challenge that is thrown at you you just need to remember perseverance and resilience with it you know you you stay resilient to all the negativity and the setbacks and all that sort of stuff and um you persevere you just keep going you know if you're passionate about what you do then you can overcome anything it's the challenges in the opening year or two were the real obvious stuff, which I just didn't know yet. Um, and then over time, it's it's the more sort of micro things. It's, you know, how to manage your time efficiently. I, I think it took me three, three years or so before I was really managing my time efficiently. Mm. You think you are, um, but, you know, in hindsight, you weren't as much as I think you could. But then at the same time, you're getting better at, what you do and all the different areas as a startup founder you jump from in one morning you know marketing to finance to operations to sales to tech and you know it can make your head spin um but you get better at stuff and what might have taken you a couple of hours back in the beginning now you can sort of smash out in 20 minutes or so so that's mm. that's really good um but yeah there's just there's so much it's it's a crazy journey it's a real roller coaster i mean the, the highs and lows in a single day you know that you can experience particularly earlier on is just it's crazy yeah yeah and also you know there's the being resilient in terms of you know where there are charities there are problems that people are trying to fix and often those problems are real dreadfulness um uh that happens in our world so how do you stay positive despite despite hearing about dreadfulness all the time yeah it, it can definitely overwhelm you and i think during that period it was 2015 particularly where i wasn't fulfilled in my job and i was just opening myself up to all the all the negativity um or a lot of a lot of negativity anyway um I, I don't know i guess i was just trying to like 
figure out what really resonated with me and, and you know, what my passions were. And so, yeah, I learned about just some, a lot of negative situations. I was learning about the dog meat trade in China and learning about um, the, the bullfighting in certain parts of the world. I'm a big animal lover. So that kind of stuff, you know, really hits hard with me, but I was learning about modern day slavery and how that can operate within the fashion industry and, so much you know so many of these different stories and it, it was making my head spin <clears throat> and I was thinking how can I even you know how can I even make a start with all of all of this um stuff that's going on but you can't solve all the problems there's there's no chance of that you if you're a if you're a multi multi-billionaire and an a-list celebrity with all the influence in the world and millions and millions of followers you still can't do it um you know to to create that change and to change certain systems and people's minds and so on it's just it, it's next to impossible certainly in a short period of time so you just figure out what you can do personally and what you can do that you'll enjoy doing because you you have to enjoy what you're doing otherwise you, you're never going to do as good of a job with it um and then you just, I think lived experience is the best way. It's like, I wouldn't have started volley if I hadn't just gone for it and just volunteered, mm -hmm. you know, like thinking about it and, you know, staying behind your laptop or whatever is, it, it's only going to take you so far. So just like have a go, um, figure out, you know, what you like, what you don't like. Sometimes, you know, it might be a complete waste of time and oh, I really didn't enjoy that. But that that whole lived experience for me just sort of took me to a place where I realised what I could actually do. Mm. And then I just, you know, I, I for me, it was trying to change the game with volunteering and trying to provide an easy way for uh, modern day professionals, anyone, but particularly modern day professionals to, to connect their skills with opportunities to make a difference. So amplify beyond me just turning up doing eight hours of volunteering a week or whatever and then from there you just it's a journey you know uh, the organizations I've worked with since and continue to work with now it's just it's all come about through that that first step and um, <clears throat> I'm doing so much more now than I thought possible four years ago mm. five years ago now yep and also do you think you know because as you say it just you know if you look at certain problems um you sort of think how how can i make a difference but the thing is that you know any small difference we make has such why sort of far-reaching ripple effects i mean you know you help one person and you make their life easier and that has an effect on the people around them and then it has an effect on the people around i mean you actually don't know the effect that one small effort can have right yeah yeah and that sort of stuff's really hard to quantify mm. uh but it's it's a great part of it you know the stories that have come out of volley over the years and you know people saying oh i've wanted to volunteer for years and now i finally can and they volunteer once and then within a few months they've they're working on 10 different projects you know um it's just yeah you, you can't and you can't influence every step of that journey for people but you just, yeah, you just do something, you put something out there, you put out a, a new kind of way that people can volunteer and, and great stuff can happen. And then from there, you know, the, yeah, the, these mm. skilled volunteers join boards and it can just grow and grow from there. So, um, yeah, that's that's a really great part of it. And um, it's it's testament to just 
doing it and just giving it a crack and just just putting something out there which which can uh, yeah only do more and more good in the world and there was something that i read in your in your bio a lot of things stood out matt but this is one of the things that stood out um matthew strives every day to use his career to create positive impact in this world do you remember the first time you realized you wanted to help professionally even as a kid do you remember the first time you felt a drive to contribute or to help yeah i, I somebody asked me this a, a few months back um they specifically said like uh, they asked me about my mum and they uh, said like what was your mum like and I was like hmm, this is a bit left field and um, but what they were trying to get at was like what the influence was for me to want to do this with my career and um it does come from my mum they kind of hit the nail on the head and you know she she was always uh still is to this day very caring um she was a police officer then she worked in um a, a retirement uh, community and you know she's done lots lots of stuff like that she now works in um uh healthcare she's um you know sort of uh working um not directly for for the nhs but you know just just within that healthcare space and yeah i think that always um that always rubbed off on me and i you know i just remember certain things as a kid and growing up where you know i was just uh always wanting to you know care for this animal that we might have found that that was injured, like you know, a bird that had fallen out of a tree or something like that. So um, yeah, it's always been there with me, and I think with my career, I kind of put that to one side for quite a few years, particularly with my studies. I didn't, and you know, I wouldn't if I went back, I wouldn't study marketing again. It wasn't something I was massively passionate about. It was just practical because it's like, well, I should do something within business and marketing. You can get kind of creative. Um, and so I did that and then I was doing marketing for years and years and uh, yeah, I just sort of stopped and I thought, well, how can I integrate what I'm passionate about with my career, which now, you know, I've, I've been able to do and I'm, I'm so glad I took the leap and what a lot of people said to me was a massive risk mm. to quit my job. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very possible and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say it doesn't matter what you do, if you're passionate about it. Um, that'll more often than not mean that you're good at it. And no matter what you do in this world, if you are the best or one of the best, then you can make a living out of it. So, um, yeah, it's great that for me that these these two, what I'm really passionate about and how I use my career have crossed um, and connected like this. Yeah. And you also mentioned um, the age of purpose in mm. the business world. Um, you've already spoken about that a bit in, in what you've already covered, but can you just, just speak to that a little bit? And also, um, in particular, in terms of what modern day staff or employees want, what they want to get out of their career, just your observations on, on that. Yeah, I think, I think the business world's shifting. Uh, I think, um, it's, it's moving towards this age of purpose and, uh we spoke about greenwashing and purpose washing previously um there's there's been a lot of stuff that's been really just a facade in the past you know i'd sort of occasionally compare uh, uh relate it to the the, uh, the days of the novelty size check uh the ceo of business x standing you know at the local 
uh, animal shelter or children's charity with a big, huge novelty size check, twice the size of uh, him or her for, you know, $100,000 for this organization. And it doesn't work like that. Uh, anymore um, and the biggest reasons for businesses needing to do something um, more deeply embedded into their values as an organization uh, are their two biggest and, and most important stakeholders really and that's their staff and their customers um, as Gen Y flood into the workforce and they're you know closely followed by Gen Z um, and Gen Z seemed to be far more socially driven than Gen Y, which is a wonderful thing. I thought Gen Y were the, you know, the, the best at it, but Gen Z are just to a whole nother level. And so they, these um, generations now account for over 60% of the workforce. So it is that majority. And what they look for from their employer is for them to stand up for the environment, to stand up for equality, for the rights of those um, that have been underrepresented in the past. Um, and so businesses can't just have their sustainability report sitting separately from their annual report. It's actually now one and the same. And when done correctly uh, for a business and truly to showcase a purpose beyond just making a profit, to have that mission and the, those values that stand to, yes, make money as a business, of course, you've got to do that and make a lot of it. Um, but, you know, do it in such a way uh, that isn't at the expense of the environment or any sort of cruelty or injustice to, you know, any other, any living beings on this planet. And that's that's a big sort of, I don't know how many businesses can, that can sort of, you know, stand up to that. But whatever businesses can do to work towards that kind of outcome, they're going to retain staff for longer, which impacts their bottom line. And they're going to attract more customers, which, of course, impacts their bottom line and helps them make lots of money. So it's just a changing world. And 10 years ago, the thought of, you know, the business world changing for the better, um, a lot of people knew that it was going to, that the world will only change truly and become a better place when the private sector, when the business world does, because there is just so much power and control there. You know, we, so many of us live in, you know, it's, it's a capitalist society, capitalist world. So when businesses can really change, that's when the world can really change and, and things can get significantly better. And I just, that's my greatest hope and optimism, just that how much that's changing. God bless Gen Z, you know, you, whatever, however people refer to them, uh, there are so many positives and that generation are just really sticking it to these businesses and saying well yeah if you don't do this if it, then we're not going to want to work for you and and it just it's a massive threat to these businesses and as a result we're seeing a lot of change mm. do you do you think that you know people who have shares in these massive companies that they're actually going to be the um the deciding factor in whether whether that sincere <laughs> you know for the good of all change happens i mean employees is massive to actually have employees who who see the necessity of it and want it and are willing to um to push for it but also it's the responsibility of the general public wouldn't you say yeah that one i i'm not um huge experience in in the the stock market and the, it's not a, a space i've really played in before but i do have some uh mates who are in the in the sector in the space in that industry and you know uh, financial advisors and so on and uh, 
I think there's a much smaller percentage of those shareholders that are that are willing to um, you know forfeit um, their returns to some extent, perhaps only in the short term, um, to be more ethical. There's certainly uh, a strong rate of um, growth and um, good increased adoption of ethical super funds and even ethical banks like Bank Australia and Beyond Bank and, and so on. Um, so that is happening, mm. um, but at a much slower rate in my experience to what I was just describing with mm. when it comes to staff and, and customers. You know, it's, it's far easier to say I'm going to buy that um, moisturiser at the supermarket because they don't test on animals versus that one that, you know, obviously does because they don't have the cruelty free um, icon and you'll pay an extra dollar um but to yeah potentially forfeit thousands if not tens of thousands um in the short term because you know i think i think in the long term like and again i'm not an expert in ethical investing or impact investing but mm. um yeah i think longer term there'll be more opportunities there but yeah there's 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 good change and good momentum but not at quite the rate that I think we would hope. I think at the end of the day, if somebody's thinking like, well, I really do care, but I don't know if I care enough to, you know, see my family potential earnings through these these stocks and shares, you know, drop by 10 grand or so over the next five years. So I don't know. Well, it'll be yeah. interesting to see that. I, I hope, you know, I hope um, there is a greater shift because you're right, that's another massive uh, stakeholder that can encourage this shift. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, I mentioned this research to you when we, we chatted a while ago, Matt, but I was, I was fascinated. I don't know why I was surprised really, but I was fascinated to read this research around the positive um, health benefits of altruism. Like we, we hear about gratitude, you know, the positive effect that has on our health on our obviously mental and physical health and, um, you know, having a positive mindset and all this sort of stuff. But it's been proven that altruism itself improves our immune function. It improves basically everything to do with our health. And I'm just curious, have you either seen that in some of the volunteers you've come across or have you experienced it in yourself? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, we live in an age now where um, positive mental health and mindfulness and, and all of this, I mean, they're teaching it to kids in like primary school um it's so incredibly important and, and you can be the healthiest person in the world you can eat well you can exercise and so on but if you're stressed you know if you've got certain like negative uh mental challenges like that then it's it's it, it can be nothing short of a killer you know or certainly mm -hmm. a life shortener so yeah it's an incredibly important thing to be focused on and you're right it really does come from um being in a space and it could be working with charities it could be building your own social enterprise business it could just be working in an organization that you feel really positive about it doesn't need to be a social enterprise or a charity it can be a business uh but that just doesn't you know do anything negative uh, in the world and and doesn't mean that you have to sort of sell your soul or sell part of your soul to to earn your big paycheck there um yeah there's huge health benefits that come from doing good and giving back and 
whether it be volunteering um, or, you know, whatever in the space. Uh, we've seen it through hundreds of different case studies uh, through people that have volunteered through through volley and you know just generally charities that I know and yeah I felt it myself it's it's an incredibly different feeling you know I I think my career was a little bit more transactional in the past in terms of uh, just you know you turn up you put in your hours you earn your paycheck that's decent enough to help you you know live a, a nice social life outside of work but when you can actually genuinely and thoroughly enjoy what you do, whether it's in your career or what you do on the sides that, that makes you sort of smile inside, um, then it's, it's so powerful. It's, it's a really incredible thing. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. And if people want to um, either, you know, be stay connected with you or, um, or look up Volley, how would they best do that? Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm not probably not the best thing in this day and age, but I'm just, I can't do social media. <laughs> I'm just done. Like, I mean, I, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I don't even have an Instagram. Volley's got an Instagram. Uh, feel free to follow. There's some good stuff on there, but, but, um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I still think LinkedIn's great. I think LinkedIn needs to sort out the, uh, the email spam situation that seems to have increased over recent years. But other than that, it's just a fantastic platform. So I'm pretty active on there. So you can look me up on LinkedIn, um, check out volley at volley.com.au. Um, yeah, it'd be the main ways really. Yep. And the, um, obviously the social media links to volley are also on the, the volley website yeah yeah, yeah. volley's obviously still got its its presence we've got our, our facebook page and instagram and all that and so on so yeah the 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 social media icons are down the bottom of the uh the home page so you can click through and and check that out but yeah just personally for me being on um facebook or uh or instagram even twitter you know um just don't have the time for it anymore and I don't really want the time for it so I love to chat with people I feel like phone calls are coming back and coffee catch-ups and more face-to-face -face or even you know video face-to-faces are coming back I love connecting with people and meeting new people but yeah just uh, trying to drive down my, my social media usage a fair bit yeah yeah look is there anything that I've not asked you about that you would love listeners to hear or any sort of parting words that you think are really important Matt or do you feel like we've sort of covered what needed to be covered um I feel like we've covered it yeah I think um I think it's been I've really enjoyed the conversation Sal I think you know in terms of just at the end of the day you know you, you follow your heart professionally um you're not going to be good at it at the start, you know, any sort of budding entrepreneurs. I think we're all, we all have the entrepreneurship gene. Um, we, we all want to do it in some sort of way in our lives. Um, and if you do have that burning desire, you know, it's better to live with failure than regret. And it's not permanent failure. It's just, you know, we will fail a hundred times before we succeed um you know you just get up your ten thousand hours um you know to get to that point or approach that point where you're mastering what you do so yeah just um just from my own experience you know just to just to go for it um it, it you know it's it's hard work but it, it can be so incredibly rewarding and yeah where my career is now versus where my career was you know five six years ago and where that was heading it would have been very easy to sort of stay 
uh, on that sort of linear path. And, you know, I probably would have earned much more uh, over, you know, the at least those first few years when I was getting my business off the ground. But, um, you know, you can't put a price on on your, your happiness and to be happy in what you do professionally is just... It's a huge thing. It, it's just such a massive part of our lives that, that it takes up. So we've got to enjoy what we do. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. What what great words to leave us with. It's better to live with failure than regret. Yeah. Yeah. One of my one of my main ones. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing everything that you were so willing to share. Thank you, Matt. My pleasure. Thanks, Sally. And listeners, thank you for tuning in and being a part of this great community. And um, we'd love it if you were to give us a review or a comment. So if you have a moment now, you can do that. Um, also, you can connect with us via social media. Um, so that's Instagram and Facebook at I am Sally Wilson. And, and that way um, you will often have the opportunity to know who our upcoming guests are and to post your questions for them. So thanks again for joining us, everybody. And I look forward to meeting with you over the waves next time.